unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to the Bengals-Packers preseason game number one. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, first preseason game in the books. Yes, it was a 36-19 to loss, but that's not what matters. What matters is we got to see some Bengals football. We got to see a lot of players battling for roster spots. We got our first look at a lot of the rookies, the undrafteds, the new free agents. So I would say this was definitely a positive experience. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. It's preseason. That's when you get to test out everything. All right, so before we get into the game, this is a pretty unique episode of the Unofficial Bengals podcast because right now I'm down in LBI, Long Beach Island, New Jersey, really my favorite spot in the world, one of the most beautiful beaches on the East Coast. My family has a place down here, so I'm down here for a few days, get to hang out in the sun, do my thing. But as we're speaking now, I'm not obviously in my normal studio, so the podcast might sound a little bit different. I'm sitting in the living room of the condo in LBI and I'm underneath a comforter because the walls in here, the sound is like smacking around because there's like these hard stucco walls and it just doesn't sound right. I'm trying to make this sound as good as possible. You know how much I care about the clarity for these podcasts. So yes, I have a comforter laid over a dresser and I'm underneath it now. So it's a little weird, a little hot, a little uncomfortable, but I could not not talk about the first Bengals game. So let's get right down to business. So before we get started, I know the knee-jerk reaction is to say, like, certain players didn't play good, and this guy's not going to pan out and crucify this guy, and, you know, and we're going to point to a few players that had some deficiencies in this game, obviously, and if you saw the game, watch the tape, you could tell, but it's one game. For a lot of these guys, it's their first NFL action ever, so we can't play too much into it. Yes, you can read a little bit, hey, should have done this, should have done that, see some deficiencies, but we can't just have a, a... a referendum on these guys and say, well, this guy isn't working out. This guy needs to get cut. Let's just be a little bit patient. It's one game, and let's see how things play out. They have a couple more weeks, a couple more games. You know, by game three of the preseason, then we can start making that kind of analysis on people. But after one game, when you're playing against the ones and the twos of the Packers, for the most part, I I can't really go off that too much. But either way, we're going to go over each position very quickly, and we're going to discuss who had good days and who had bad days and some things to think about. All right, let's start at the quarterback position. So both quarterbacks posted a 49-9 quarterback rating, which is not good. But, you know, that's the numbers. And PFF has its rankings on people, and I always tell you guys, I don't care about PFF. I know it's the statistical approach. It's more scientific than your host right here. They know more than me, obviously. They have analytics, and they're doing their whole thing. But for me, it's the eye test. All right, so let's move on to actually talking about the quarterback play. What I saw out of Jake Browning was he was able to move the ball. Now, neither quarterback was able to put the ball in the end zone. We had one defensive touchdown and four field goals. But with Browning in there, I felt that he had good mobility. He showed some good arm strength. He showed some good pocket awareness. Some throws were off. Some throws were on. But I wasn't totally down on him. And I think out of the two guys that he performed better in this game. Now, Simeon came in. 
I was a little disappointed because he's going against the twos and the threes and having a hard time moving the ball. What I did see is he's got a great arm. If you look at the tape from this game, he does have a rocket for an arm, but made some bad decisions, wasn't able to move the ball. You know, when, you, when you're facing second teamers, third teamers, and you're a quarterback that started in the NFL, you should be able to dominate to an extent. And he didn't quite do that. And you can also say that he didn't have a, a cast around him of starters. But either way, I really wasn't that impressed with Simeon. I was more impressed with Browning. And like I said, the movement out of Browning was encouraging. And right now, I mean, if you had to go off one game, I think Browning has the edge as far as being the backup quarterback. But they still have time to go. Maybe Simeon gets to start next time and gets to play with our twos, and he shows up more. So the jury's still out on this position, on all the positions, but that's what I saw in this game. All right, on to running back. So Chris Evans had that 33-yard run, which shows why we all believe in Chris Evans because he can break one at any time. He, he has He's capable of big plays. On the first pass play of the game, he did miss his block, which was a little, you know, a little bit scary because that's what we're going off of. These guys need to be able to block in addition to move the ball and run the ball. So pass protection is going to be something that we have to take a look at out of him. But it was nice to see him get a big run. And, you know, he was fairly productive in his time in there. But moving on to Chase Brown, I was really excited about him. And it's not just the numbers. I know he had, like, the 21-yard reception where he showed, like, a lot of speed and ability. But he converted two third-and-ones, which shows some toughness in the middle, especially for a guy that size. And then on top of that, what I really noticed when he was in the open field, he just had a smoothness to him. You know, just check out the way he was running. I don't know, just his cuts were effortless, and it's it's not something that you can really quantify, but if you're watching it, you can just see the smoothness in the running ability. So the fact that he was able to run tough in this game and the fact that he had that smoothness from side to side and just kind of gliding around the field, that was really encouraging, and that was the main thing I took away in saying, you know, this guy can play in this league if he has that kind of smoothness to his runs. The other guys were barely in there. Didn't really see much of them. I saw Sailors get a penalty. So, you know, he can't really judge his day on just one play, one penalty. But for the most part, the real standout here was Chase Brown. And that's a good thing because you know we have a lot riding on him. You know that we want him to be the number two to Joe Mixon. And the fluidity that he ran with in this game bodes very well for that. Okay, on to wide receiver. A lot to talk about here. Trent Taylor had the nice punt return early, even though there was a penalty on it. So you know that he's hungry for the position. You know, when Charlie Jones came in, we were all excited about him returning punts, and he had a couple pretty uneventful one- or two-yard gains on the punt. I'm not going to say either one is the referendum on how these guys are going to perform for us, but Taylor did show up on that first play of the game. You know he's fighting for his NFL career right now. And then moving on to Charlie Jones, not much out of him this game. A couple really insignificant punt returns not much in the passing game but remember he's playing with that torn labrum and let's take a look at the future here they want to keep him on the roster obviously you draft him in the fourth round there's a lot of high hopes for him you want him to back up Tyler Boyd eventually in that slot position but if that labrum is bothering him and he's not playing up to standards he might be a candidate for IR that way you can keep another wide receiver on the roster and you can still keep him in the building but it's really going to depend on his health Tearing a labrum early in camp is not good. That's going to linger for the whole season. Even if he plays with it, he's going to be playing with discomfort. And in this game, it kind of showed. He didn't really do much, but it's one game, first game of his career. We'll see what happens there. 
Stanley Morgan had a nice special teams tackle, and they played him from scrimmage a little bit. Aside from that, not much, but that's what you expect out of Stanley Morgan for the Bengals. They want to just put him on special teams, let him do his thing. He's fighting for his, his spot on the roster, unfortunately. And like I said, he was a guy that I thought would be here for years and years. But with all these talented pass catchers, especially the next guy I'm going to talk about, it's going to be a tough run for Stanley, unfortunately. So the next guy I want to talk about is Andre Yoshivas. And I guess I've been pronouncing it wrong because I didn't watch any Princeton games. I've been saying Yoshivas, but now I know it's Yoshi, as everyone is now calling him. But what a game. What an entrance into the league. I don't care who was covering him. Four receptions, 50 yards, high-pointing balls, showing strength, taking the ball away from other people, running after the catch. He had that beautiful leaping grab in the end zone. How can you not be encouraged by him, what he did on this day? And then he has, let's remember the Jamar Chase block against the Lions for Joe Mixon two years back, which was almost like a defining moment in our season. Yoshivas had that moment this game, and he just came downfield at full speed and just plowed into a defender and knocked him over and enabled more yards after the catch. So that's exciting stuff to see everything that he did, route running, run after the catch, high-pointing the ball, strong hands, everything he did, and then the block on top of that, very, very encouraging. And sometimes it works out like that, right? Sometimes you have a seventh-rounder like TJ Hushmanzada who beats out a guy who was drafted much earlier than him. So we're all hyper-focused on Charlie Jones being the guy from this draft, and then you have Yoshivas as the sixth-rounder who right now looks like he's got the edge on him. But again, one game, Jones is hurt but really, really happy about Yoshivas. And you could see Burrow is like, whoa, I got this hidden weapon here. I mean, this is all good stuff. When you have the kind of receiving core that we have, and then you get a diamond in the rough like this, that's just good news. Trenton Irwin didn't play much in this game. He's the number four. You know, I'm reading Bengals.com, and they're just saying, after the big three, it's a big battle. It's not a big battle. Trenton Irwin is the number four wide receiver. He's going to have a very productive year this year. And you saw in limited action, I mean, he was just wide open, a great run after the catch. I know he bobbled the ball. It was a little weird. But I have full faith in that guy, and I'm really excited for his career as a Bengal. Lucky to have him on the roster. And Kwame Lasseter will not go away. He's had a great camp. He had a great game this game. I think he had six catches. He was doing everything that we needed out of him. And it's tough when you're competing with this many good wide receivers in front of you. But, I mean, this guy right now is playing like he deserves a roster spot. It's almost like we have too many guys. I mean, if you just didn't care about draft picks or expectations, wouldn't you take Lasseter over Charlie Jones at this point? I don't know. It's it's a good problem to have. I hope that if he doesn't make the seven that we're going to keep, that we keep him on the practice squad because I thought he had a great game. And then the rookies, Shed Jackson had a little more action than the other guys. He had a good run after catch. I think the interception on Browning, I know they say it was thrown high, but Jackson should have pulled that down. And that probably would have given Browning a little bit better of a day. You know, his, his passer rating would have went up, his yardage would have went up. I mean, again, you're talking about stats. I replayed that play a few times, and I didn't blame that as much on Browning as I did on Jackson. You know, it was that high ball that Jackson kind of went for. It kind of slipped through his hands at the high point and it was the interception, and that kind of turned around the game. So when you think about it, this is a preseason game, who cares? But here we are at halftime, we get the interception from Tyson Anderson, who we'll talk about in a minute, and we're getting ready to go down and score and take the lead, and I'm like, you know what, we're, we're going to own this game. All of a sudden, something backfires like that, Packers score, and then they never look back. Like, those things in real games are a big swing. 
Malachi Carter and Mac Hippenhammer, not much out of those guys. We'll see as the next couple weeks come. They're probably candidates for the practice squad at best. But again, you need some opportunities. I think they got they targeted Hippenhammer one time and Carter one time, if I'm not mistaken. So it's hard to really stand out when you only have one ball thrown your way the whole game. All right, so on to tight end. Obviously, we didn't see Irv Smith Jr., and it's a big sign for Sample not having seen him at all in this game, meaning that they're valuing him as a, as a key starter. So he is by far the number two. And then you have everybody else. And we had Tanner Hudson come out with four catches. He was having a big day and big lesson for everyone out there. They tell you, don't jump in football. I know sometimes you see highlight reels of guys leaving their feet and it ends up well and they make the, the, the highlights and they're on Sports Center. But more often than not, that ends up in either a turnover or getting your clock cleaned, as they say. And he got his clock cleaned, and he, he has a concussion from it. And a concussion is a brain injury. Think about it. A knee, a shoulder, a, everything else in your body. But that's your brain. Unnecessarily, because he left the ground, I know he's trying to hustle. And he had a great game, and he really is making a claim as being the number three tight end. Without a doubt, they loved him in camp. And he had a great first game. But it's a shame now, you know, the concussion count starts happening with you. He has one right now. Who knows how many he's had before this. And that starts affecting your NFL career and your post-NFL life. So other tight ends, Mitchell Wilcox didn't play. Asiasi didn't really do much. He had one penalty, but I'd really still trust his blocking. Bowers, we didn't really see anything out of. I don't even remember seeing Trahan on the field. All right, offensive line. Obviously, the starters didn't play. Cody Ford had that really questionable early play where he just forgot the snap count and his guy just blew by him and almost killed Browning. So you got to watch that. You're a veteran. There's no excuse for that. And uh, I don't think Cody Ford had a great game, to be honest with you. Again, it's one game. Not going to judge him, but you are a veteran. You should be dominating against the twos and the threes of other teams. And I wasn't seeing that. I had I saw a couple plays. See, whenever there was like pressure or a sack, I was rewinding and just seeing. I was like, who's responsible for that? And I saw Cody Ford's name a few times there. So, we, you know, we have some high expectations. We thought he was going to be like the sixth or seventh lineman. You know, kind of the first guy in there at guard, can swing to tackle. Remember, that's all on paper. It all matters on how you're playing on the field. So Cody Ford, a subpar game you got to pick it up. I don't care if you're a veteran. I don't care if they're paying a million-plus to have you in the building. If you're not showing up, you're a liability, and it's not going to work out. But not going to judge him on one game. Let's see what happens over the next couple. Sharping, he was doing okay at guard. They moved him in at center for a little bit. Jackson Carmen played a ton, and I like that. They want to give him as many reps as they can. And I thought he had a pretty solid game. I know he had the false start on one play. But aside from that, he was definitely holding his own in there. Not as dominant as I would have liked, but still holding his own. So definitely a positive grade for Jackson Carmen. Adenogy didn't have a bad game, to be honest with you. I thought Trey Hill had a good game at center as well. They moved him over to guard. He was switching back and forth, and he's battling for his job. They really want to get Sharping in that role where he's the backup center that can you know, kick out to guard and tackle and kind of phase out Trey Hill. I'm feeling like that's the way they want to go. But I think Hill had a very good game. I think Hill had a better game than Sharping, to be honest with you. Deontay Smith was ranked with PFF as the best pass blocker in this game. And that's my argument with PFF. Because, again, I'm rewinding plays where there was pressure. And a couple times I'm like, that's Smith. I was getting mad at him a couple times in the game. And But, see, you only see the bad plays. You know, I saw the two or three pressures that he let up. 
you know, probably, according to PFF, if he was doing that well, he was probably holding his own on a lot of the other plays. Another guy I'm really rooting for. I, I really liked him as soon as he came into the building. He's done pretty well in spot duty, and here he is, third year of his career, you know, trying to make the roster. We'll see how that plays out. I really felt it was an up-and-down game, regardless of what PFF said. Nate Gilliam was in there a little bit at center. Didn't really notice much about him. Jackson Kirkland had the penalty. I was watching him like a hawk, too, just because I was excited about this new prospect. And he had an up-and-down game. Like, he showed some good movement skills. He showed some good strength, but he wasn't impenetrable. He wasn't like this absolute force out there that I was hoping. But again, first game of his career. Let's see how it plays out. A good prospect for us. I really hope that he works out and makes the team because of the movement skills and the size. So Coach Pollock is going to get this guy coached up. He's going to use everything from this game as a teaching point, and we'll see what happens with Jackson Kirkland. But I think his shot of making the roster is very good based on the athleticism and the specs. All right, on to defensive line. Terrell Basham didn't really see much of him. Camp Sample only played a handful of snaps. That means that obviously they value him as someone who's guaranteed on the roster. Osai was in there a little bit, not much action out of him. Tufele, Jay Tufele, was all over the field, had the tackle for a loss, had a few big plays, had a bunch of tackles, just dominated in there. He has solidified himself as one of our tackles that's going to make the roster. Zach Carter showed up in limited duty. Gunter had the penalty early, but he had a few big plays after that. And I even said that. You know, after the, the punt return was called back by a block in the back on him, like every punt and kickoff return that goes anywhere is always called back in the NFL. So Gunter had the unlucky penalty, and I was like, you know what, don't judge him on that. And sure enough, on defense, he showed up pretty big after that. And he's got a very good shot at making the roster, too. I mean, there's no way they're letting him leave the building anyway, whether he makes the 53 or practice squad. And if you recall last episode, remember what I was saying about Raymond Johnson. I really like him. Every time he, he's in there, he shows up. And he's someone you need to keep in the building, too. There's a lot of guys in front of him at defensive end. So it's hard to say that he's going to be on the 53. But he did have that strip sack that led to the fumble. And I thought he played a great game, too. So definitely keep this man in the building as well. Maybe in the last two preseason games, he'll really show up and fight his way onto the 53. But it is a pretty uphill battle. I saw Owen Carney in there a little bit. Didn't really see much out of him. Dominique Davis, another one. Ha you can't. You have to protect this guy because he's not going to crack the top four, but he plays well every time he's in there. You cannot let this man leave the building. Put him on the practice squad. Make him one of those protected players. Defensive tackles go down a lot, so you're going to have some good depth there. He, again, had the pressure that led to the first Tyson Anderson interception for the pick six, and on top of that, I just thought he was a force in there and definitely someone that belongs on this roster. So again, don't let him leave the building, Mr. Tobin, please. And they had Pesafea in there. Didn't really see much out of him, but they had him in for a bunch of snaps, so they obviously want to get a good look at him. And we'll see how it rolls with him, undrafted free agent, defensive tackle. And then on to Miles Murphy. So at the top of the show, I was talking about how you can't let one game define someone's career, especially if it's their first NFL action. And he was exactly what I was talking about. If you went on Twitter, they were destroying him. You know, bust, bust, bust. No one is happy with the way he played. I wasn't happy with the way he played. There was a bunch of plays where I was like, I'm just going to watch him the whole time. And he was getting pretty well blocked by number twos and number three offensive linemen. And it wasn't good to see. He had some hustle. One, one, they had him on the, on the Hendrickson side for most of the first half. And then they flipped him over to the Hubbard side. 
and he had a nice back-end tackle on a running play, but for the most part, very ineffective and was not this dominant pass rusher that we're hoping for. But it's one game. There's coaching points here. He has all the talent in the world. We drafted him in the first round for a reason. So let's all just believe a little bit and not just say, oh, he played you know, 30 preseason snaps and we didn't like the results. This is a bad experiment. Can't go like that with him. Just give him a chance. Let's see what happens. He's got a couple more games and a lot more time to develop. And they're going to throw him in the rotation anyway, regardless, because of his pedigree and because of his specs. And even if this year, you know what, coming in, I was like, whoa, is he going to like fight for some starting time? Based on this first outing, I don't think that he is. We'll see what develops. But even if in year one, he's not the guy, who knows what's going to happen year two, year three, year four. We have this guy in the building for a while. He's a high draft pick. Don't give up on him yet. Yes, I was not happy. Yes, I was like, oh, man. Like, I, I was so excited. I was excited to watch him pretty much more than anyone in this game. And I was definitely let down. But again, let's let it go. Let's move on. Let's see how he plays against the Falcons on Friday. Linebacker Davis Gaither played a few snaps, was very active in there. Keandre Jones is going to be fighting for that fifth linebacker job with Joe Bocci. And Bocci has the chest injury. I thought it was his collarbone when it happened. I don't know what's going on with him. I haven't seen any of the reports. Shaka Hayward was in there a lot, and he made some good plays. He took a bad angle on the one quarterback sneak, a real bad angle. Moody, I don't remember seeing anything out of. Murray, I remember seeing him involved in like one play, so not really much on the other two guys. So it looks like out of the undrafteds that Shaka Hayward is going to be the number one there. But so think about linebacker. You're going to have Pratt. You're going to have Wilson, Davis Gaither, and Marcus Bailey, who I forgot to mention, had a very, very active game. And he showed what you should show, right? He's a backup linebacker. He plays in preseasons against the twos and the threes, and he's all over the field dominating in there. And that's what you want to see out of people. You know, that's what I wanted to see out of Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen in this game. And we certainly got it out of Marcus Bailey. So obviously, he's a special teamer as well. He's the number four linebacker, clearly. And then we're going to see what happens behind him. But I think it's going to be down to Jones versus Bocci. All right, secondary. So the veterans and the starters did not play. Sidney Jones Jr. had a rough game. I was like, who's 24? I was getting so mad because I don't have all the numbers down yet because it's early in the year. I should have had a cheat sheet. And I didn't want to go on my phone because I taped the game, so I didn't want to go on the Bengals website to check everyone's number because I would have seen the result of the game. But anyway, number 24 was really bothering me, and I realized it was Sidney Jones, and I was like, oh, man, we got to do better than this. And another guy, you know, you're in the league for six years. You're a second-round draft pick. You can't come in and struggle against backups. And he did let up the touchdown. I thought the coverage was decent, not flawless, but it was more than that. There were other plays where he was just getting beat, and there were some running plays where he was just a non-factor and just kind of getting pushed out of the way without being too aggressive. So not a good showing for Sidney Jones, and you know maybe that's the reason why he was an inexpensive free agent and a couple of other teams had casted him off. I hope that's not the case, right? He's a Bengal now, and we're rooting for him to be a solid corner in this room but not a good first game for Sidney Jones. I don't think Jalen Davis played. Tyson Anderson, defensive player of the game, I would say. You know, I, I was giving it to, to Fele before, but when you have two picks at a pick six and you're physical and rangy, that's a great showing for Tyson Anderson because he was an afterthought. I was like, you know what? They're going to probably try to sneak him on the practice squad. But think about it. They traded up for him last year, and he was hurt all preseason. So we just thought of, you know, uh, he's, he's not going to work out. And here he is in extended duty with two phenomenal plays. 
pick six, just right where he should be, grabs the ball cleanly out of the air, goes for the touchdown, untouched, big play in the game, momentum swing. But the second interception was more impressive to me, where he's having tight coverage on a tight end and wrestles the ball out of a tight end's hands. The tight end's a lot bigger than him, and he just had the will and the force and the strength to do it. So he showed size, speed, toughness, and range. And Tyson Anderson is going to be battling Michael Thomas for that fourth safety job. They're probably not going to keep five because there's a lot of corners that deserve to make it. And corner is so much more of a premium position. You don't don't want to let a good corner walk out of the building. So we're looking at four. And if Tyson Anderson shows up on special teams, that could mean trouble for Mike Thomas. Maybe they sneak Thomas onto the practice squad. I don't know. But as of right now, because of the two picks, Anderson has the edge. And Dax Hill, what a relief seeing that. I told you he was going to be one of the only starters playing. I thought they were going to put Nick Scott next to him just to get that chemistry going. But Dax Hill was great in this game. The range that he showed going from center field to the sideline to knock down that pass when DJ Turner was was burnt, and he did that against the ones. So very good showing for Dax Hill. That's what we all needed to see. I just hope that awareness, speed, and athleticism just carry him through You know the, the growing pains of a second-year player. But obviously, he has the physical tools to do what we need him to do. And he flashed right there. And that gave all of us Bengal fans hope. Like, all right, Jesse Bates is gone, but look at the athlete that we're replacing him with. So very good showing out of Dax Hill. We needed to see that. Alan George let up a few pass plays. I thought he played better last preseason, but again, game one. Had some nice tackles in the run game. So, you know, another guy I'm rooting for to make it somewhere. He's going to be on the practice squad, if nothing else. Jordan Battle showed up, too. A tackle for a loss. Batted ball in the end zone. Batted ball in the end zone is, like, as good as a sack. Like, that's a huge play in a game. And then he had that play early where he blasted the pile and just moved people. So you're seeing strength. You're seeing range. You're seeing coverage ability. He was blitzing. Made plays in the box, in the backfield, which you want to see out of a strong safety. So very, very good opening showing for Jordan Battle. And they said he hasn't practiced much, and I was wondering why. I found out it was a hamstring injury, but he didn't show any sign of that this game. So a great showing for Jordan Battle. DJ Turner had a great game, too. It was good to see. He let up three passes for six yards. Yes, he was burnt on two different plays, one that was underthrown, and then the Dax Hill play where Dax Hill helped him. So there, there were two plays that could have went south on him, and he would have had technically a much worse day. But we're going to go on what happened in this game. And he showed the catch-up speed. He showed the ability to cover on the NFL level. He was covering number one wide receivers. And what a great test for our second-round corner to go out against the ones in his opening game. He's going to be a mainstay on this roster, and he's just going to get better and better. And he's got some good guys to learn under in a A. And then even Cam Taylor Britt can show him how, you know, you can be a successful rookie corner in this league. Remember, Coach Anarumo was a defensive backs coach before he was a defensive coordinator. So he's got the right team in place to help him succeed. So DJ Turner, I mean, that's looking like the best pick in the draft at this point. DJ Ivy took the bad angle and let up the 47-yard pass play. But again, first NFL action. He wasn't horrible in there. He showed some physicality. I know, again, these guys have great camps against your own guys. When you put them against other teams, things change a little bit. But nothing is lost on DJ Ivy. First NFL experience. He needs to get it under his belt. Very excited to see what he's going to do in preseason game two and three. And he's going to have a spot on the roster. So let's let's pull for some growth in these games. Let's use the mistakes as teaching points. And let's look for Ivy to be somewhere on the roster, helping out on special teams, maybe getting in there in a pinch. 
Larry Brooks was in there late, and he's got a bunch of safeties ahead of him, a long shot for him to make the roster. And unfortunately, you catch him on tape chasing one of the fastest guys on the field down the sideline, not being able to catch him. So tough moment to get exposed like that. I didn't really see a lot of his other snaps, but you know that one play in particular doesn't feel good, and I'm sure he's angry about it because you know it's the first time you see Brooks on the back of the jersey, and it's chasing some guy to the end zone. Marvell Tell, not really much on him except he had the penalty. And now let's move on to special teams. Brad Robbins had some good punts. You know, he had the one inside the 20, and then he had the one that was a touchback. But, I mean, he booted that 65 yards in the air, and it bounces up and down at, like, the five-yard line. Like, the perfect chance to down that, but it kind of outkicked the coverage. But to still, to see the leg and to see the backspin to, you know, where it hits the ground and doesn't just go forward, it kind of bounces up. Phenomenal punt. I don't care if it was a touchback. I think it was his best punt of the day. He held flawlessly. And, you know, Chrisman's going to come back and battle him, but we have our punter in Brad Robbins, and hopefully we have a guy that's going to be here 10, 12 years just booming that ball 65 yards like we saw him in this game. Perfect snapping by Adamitis, and then Evan McPherson. Four field goals, pretty much all down the middle. A 51-yarder that would have been good from over 60, it looked like. I mean, it, it hit high net, and it was right down the center. And then he makes the tackle on a kickoff. Can we coach that out of him, please? Not in the regular season. I get it. Or maybe even in the regular season. You don't want to see him doing that. But he showed his toughness. He's not a big guy. And threw his body in there with a shoulder and, and got the returner out of bounds. But please, no more of that in preseason. Coach Simmons, can you please like yell at him for that and just make sure he doesn't do it? Because we need this guy. He is a weapon. Think about the first year of his career. He kicks us into the Super Bowl. Second year career he kicks us into the AFC Championship game. And if you would have given him a shot at the end of that game, there's no doubt that he would have hit it, even from 60. So nice to see four field goals from Evan McPherson and a plus 50 in his first action. So that's it. Bengals football is upon us. Every week we're going to be talking about games and significant things. Two more preseason games, and then the real bullets start flying. Next game, Atlanta, 7.30 on Friday. NFL Network's going to have it on at 10.30 Eastern, so I'll be watching then, taking all my notes, and I cannot wait to talk about these players, the roster, and another Bengal game. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca. And I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.